The We Can Talk About That podcast is a space for women to grow spiritually with other believers by approaching both practical questions and tough conversations from a biblical foundation. We're passionate about creating a space where we can set up a conversation and send you out ready, excited, confident, and prepared to engage in it wherever God has you. So whatever it is, it's welcome here. Let's talk. Welcome back, guys. Today, we're going to be talking about repentance, and I personally am really excited because I love this topic since this is kind of the area that the Lord has really strengthened me in. Like over the last couple of years, when I really started following the Lord, it was just something that he has really strengthened my walk with him in. And so I'm really excited to dig deeper into that topic today. Now, we know repentance can be really hard. We know that firsthand, but we also know firsthand how rewarding and beneficial it can be to your walk with God as you try to draw near to him. And so we really want to talk about it because I think it's not talked about enough, like just in general. Like, I don't know that this is necessarily a super like hot topic. -y. I don't know that we're going to really present like a controversial opinion about repentance. I just think in general conversations about this really lack. And I felt like I had very few conversations about this, like growing up and learning, you know, about what it looks like. Right. And we also felt like it was really fitting to follow our shame and conviction episode with a honest conversation about repentance because they are really tied together. So when you feel conviction, like what do you even do and what are those steps that you are supposed to take? I think it's also fitting because like we talked about with conviction, there's so much shame, I think that speaks into the narrative of it. And I think with repentance, we have that a little bit too. I know that's for sure been my experience where like, again, as I've said, I felt like I had finally kicked shame goodbye, you know, and I embraced the gospel and knew what it meant for my life. So anything that like felt like whispers of shame, I was really trying to steer clear of and conviction and repentance were two of those things that actually felt really shame associated maybe is a better word for it. And so I had a hard time, like even beginning to understand or wrestle with those topics because I didn't want to fall back into shame. And as we unpacked on last episode, so you haven't listened to it yet, make sure you take a chance to pause and go listen to it. Shame and conviction are actually the opposite of each other. And conviction is the farthest thing from shame. It actually is what allows us to walk away from shame and into grace. And repentance is the process of doing that. It is the process of walking from the conviction to the grace. And so I think that we need to like begin to like remember that just as we spoke that conviction is freedom bringing, repentance is also freedom bringing. And I think that that narrative has been really consumed by the enemy and just been filled with all these lies of shame and, or maybe even just you have experiences growing up that maybe didn't paint repentance in a great light that, that did make maybe breed shame in your life. I think we need to really redeem the idea of repentance because I think it is meant by God for our good and his glory. Mm -hmm. And I think it's essential to a healthy walk with Jesus is to learn how to repent of our sins. Right. So I mentioned a lot about loving repentance. I would say it's more, it was really a love hate relationship. I really hated having to do it because I knew I had sinned and the weight of my sin really hurt. And I know like it hurt God and it also hurt me because I could feel the weight of my sin, but I also really loved it because that was the moments that I really felt like nearest to the Lord. So I mentioned briefly the parting scene was huge for me and I didn't feel conviction at all for like 
months and months and months. Like in high school, there was absolutely no conviction, no shame, no guilt, absolutely nothing. Cause I, I wouldn't necessarily say I was walking with the Lord. I, I knew who God was. I believed in God, but I wasn't walking in a relationship with him. So when I got to college, that was when it was like, I was praying on that conviction and it wasn't until I honestly broke down in the back of a van that was <laughs> like, I just started sobbing because it was like, okay, I need to do something about this. And I honestly don't think that in that moment I repented at all. I think it was kind of like, I need to. And I think it was the first time that I felt that true conviction for what I had been doing. And I think it took a little while to like get into a understanding of what I needed to do next. I was kind of like in this loss of, okay, I feel this conviction. I stopped drinking. I stopped doing this stuff, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I repented from it. I just stepped away from it, which is really good because a lot of people can't do that without the repentance, but I was still lacking that repentance. So I was still not close to the Lord because I didn't, I did the like worldly thing of walking away, but I didn't do the godly thing of going and repenting for it. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time. This is also COVID. So COVID, <laughs> I would say was like, What's the that? Biggest, I can't remember like, that we've walked out all of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> See, I personally would say COVID was the best thing for me. I think one, it drew me closer to the Lord. I also really met my husband during that time. So that was really sweet. So, so not the COVID part, just the, the COVID, just the isolation. Yeah. Was like, okay. You need to be dependent on the Lord. Yeah. But I think having that time alone, kind of, I fell back into that drinking and partying scene because I didn't repent. I, I just walked away from it. And I think that's part of the reason that I really kept falling back because I wasn't repenting. So there was no godly thing happening besides the fact that I was like, okay, I'm just done. Like I'm choosing this because I'm a strong, independent woman. Yes. But like, I use that all the time. We got to be careful there. Like it was like but... behavior. That's like behavior modification without any sort of spiritual formation. And, that, and, that and that's so, what, that's what yeah. it was. And I feel like it really was that for a long time. It was like, I was doing these things because I knew they were wrong but I wasn't doing what the Lord was calling me to do to fully surrender them. Mm. I feel like I was trying to, like I lacked repentance because I didn't want to fully surrender. And yeah, I think that's so huge. when we got to, you know, sophomore year and junior year of college was really when I was like, okay, what does this even look like to actually repent? And that was when I had to really rely on those girls that I trusted to like, be in detail about all the things that I was doing. Cause it was like, I, you always think you're getting away with things and you're not hurting anybody, but your relationship with the Lord. So I think that was for me really eye-opening. Like I wasn't hurting anybody by not telling them I was really just hindering my own walk with the Lord. So for me, I really grew by opening up to people and then them keeping me accountable to repent. And when I started to repent for the partying and all, you know, the sexual immorality, those types of sins that I was committing, that's when I really saw the Lord change my heart. And that's when I was closest to the Lord was when I had repented because he knows, like he knew everything I was doing. I wasn't getting away with it. Like I thought that I was, but he delighted from hearing from me. And that was when I was able to like fully surrender. And that's when I was able to walk away from that scene was after I was continuously repenting of these sins and not just trying to do it on my own. Yeah. I think what you said there, you were saying, oh, I had this, I had this feeling that I knew I needed to do something 
But then it kind of took you a couple of years to figure out like, what do I do? You know? And I think it was not a quick process at all. Yeah, and I think that is like, this is part of the reason why I just talk about it was because I think that is the missing conversation. I think that's something that people can resonate with of like, man, I've had those moments when you're like, oh, I feel like something needs to change, but there's what, what do I do? You know, like, how do I change in that way? And I think that yeah, and it is just isn't happening enough. And I think that there's like probably a couple of reasons from that. I think when we look like ultimately big picture, and I would just like to preface, this is not the case for everyone everywhere. I actually think there's probably a, a lot of people in the middle ground with this, but I think maybe from like a mental image perspective of like when you hear repentance or you think about it, we kind of have these like two extremes that are like actually lived out. It's either the like really formal view of repentance and maybe it's like synonymous with confession and maybe like a formal church practice of that or we say it and you're like what's that we don't do it you know there's like this like maybe it's not even something your church really talks about outside of repent and believe right and I think that that maybe that is something that people are doing pretty well, at least gospel believing churches. I think that for that phrase of like, oh, repent and believe in, in God and you will be saved. That as I think of verbiage that's pretty popular in a conversation that's happened a lot in a gospel believing church, that we we associate like repentance and believing with salvation, which is great. And that's not wrong. I, I'm all for that. But then as far as repentance outside of that, we don't talk about it much because we don't really believe you need to be we don't repent to be saved over and over again, right? Like you're saved once, your salvation, you know, it's not like, all right, every day, I hope you don't get accidentally thrown into hell again. You know, that's not, we believe that's probably aggressive verbiage, but I think that, yeah, we, we, there's more to repentance than just salvation. I think is what I'm trying to say is that, and I think that there isn't a lot of clear practice on that middle ground of what that looks like. But I think it's almost like a question to kind of ask ourselves, like, what what does your mind think of when you hear repentance or like what what mental image is coming up for you? Yeah, I feel like for me, I grew up very traditional church. I grew up Lutheran. For, so for people who don't know, those are two that tend to be tied very similar to each other. There's a couple differences, but in one being confession, we didn't practice like actively practice confession. But I think my view is that more formal like confession that I had to do for repentance, because I remember like my parents, if I had a big sin, like drinking, like my, my family, you know, that was something that was prevalent with my siblings as well was drinking. And it was like, okay, well you were drunk. So you need to go, you know, go talk to the pastor. And I was like, I am not going to talk to this dude about, you know, what I'm doing. It felt weird. And it like, I, so I think that really skewed what I viewed repentance as. And I think that's why it has taken me a little bit, like a little bit of time to like come around to make repentance. Okay. I don't, I could, I could, if I wanted to go talk to a pastor, but I also can repent just when I'm in, you know, praying with the Lord when it's just me and the Lord, I can also bring my friends into that as well. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be this whole like formal thing, which I think has taken a long time for me to realize because every time there was a quote unquote, like big sin in our life, like my parents were just kind of like, maybe we should go take you to talk to the pastor. So I think that also then kind of gave me a flawed view of what 
sin looks like because it had to be to a certain extent. So I was never clear on like, oh, if I told a white lie or if I was gossiping or whatever it was that I would view as like a smaller sin, quote unquote, I didn't think I had to repent of it because it was never taught to me that those sins needed equally needed repentance as well. Yeah. And I think this is something that you and I kind of talked about as we were like brainstorming it, this idea of like smaller sins and bigger sins. It's probably a tangent, a story for another time. <laughs> I think our summary is that, I mean, like all, all sin is despicable to God. Yeah. Even the, the quote unquote smallest of sins separates you eternally from God outside of Jesus Christ. Like that is, that is true. And all sin leads you away from, from God in every capacity. And yet, you know, Jesus has paid the price for all sin. And so we look at these like small sins and bigger sins. I think what we're actually saying is not like offense towards a holy God. What we're actually mm-hmm. saying is like earthly consequences, right? Like feels small. You know, we, you and I talked through this of like, yeah, if I tell like a small white lie to like one person, chances are not a large impact. Maybe there is, right? Depending on the lie, right? But for the most part, like not a very large earthly impact versus like if you murder a whole family, probably a pretty big earthly impact. Yes, I think hopefully murder is not one of your frequent sins. If it is, maybe we should talk to an authority. But, you know, there's this idea, right, that we have these like, oh, this really big sin because it's like we know there's earthly fallout or it's like impacting Mm -hmm. a lot more people versus these smaller sins, which we feel like maybe just stick to ourselves. And I think ultimately, like, it's a working logic. I think I understand why our verbiage like follows through that. I think as long as we're true on the sense of like all sin equally damning, you know, there's, there's a reality that like, it is so buried in imperfection that it is abhorrent to God and no sin can exist with holiness. So side tangent for another time, we can unpack that. But yeah, I think that what you were saying, this like repentance as this like formal regulated kind of routine practice of like, corporate worship right there's this like church component that regulates it i think a lot of us have that idea and when we have even churches that maybe don't practice that i think that like you could go to any church and be like should you have repentance and i think they'd all say yes hopefully right if your church says no oh, then yeah. maybe we should talk but i think that like even there's like a head awareness of it but we just i think it's that like what is what does that mean what does that you know look like right and i think it's because we don't see a lot of people do it right so how do I, how do I live that out? And I think the idea of repentance in general just feels really muddy of like, what is it actually, how do I do it? And, and what does that, what does that look like throughout the church life too? And so I think that like, what is helpful maybe to understand, and that was helping you and I, as we went back to how does the Bible use the words repentance or repent? Mm-hmm. What What's the biblical language that's at play here? Because we know that like, our language, right, that we're familiar with, whatever language you read your Bible in, you use those words under your cultural context today, right? And so we also know that that biblical language has that too. And sometimes a proper translation of a word has cultural implications that just aren't there, you know? And, and I think it's like, it's yeah, this is the best word for it, but it's maybe not communicating the best, the fullness of the idea. So in the New Testament, it comes from the Greek word metanoneo, which, you know, someone who studies Greek, correct me. I'm sure I pronounced it wrong, (laughs) but it literally means to change one's mind or more specifically to change one's mind for the better or to heartily to amend with abhorrence one's past sins. There is this association of that. It's like, I'm changing my mind and I have a abhorrence to one's past sins. The old Testament is the word shuv, 
which it's Hebrew word, which means to return to, to turn back or to restore. And the reason I think that it's really helpful for us to look at these words is because I think we often associate the word repent with I'm sorry. Like it is this apology for forgiveness. And I think that's why we lose the heart of repentance in our practice as Christians, because apologies and forgiveness are something that like, it's kind of loaded in our world today, right? Like we've all been hurt by a wrong apology. And I think it's even probably let that belief of repentance being that I'm sorry has led to that, like, oh, whatever, God's going to forgive me, you know, view of grace Mm. that like leads us to repetitive sin without a care in the world, because I can just say, I'm sorry, God, and he'll forgive me. And I don't think that's true, right? Like, I don't think that's what the Bible is saying about repentance. If I can clarify any one thing is like, that's not repentance. That's apologizing. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we're commanded to, right? And that's not what that's not what we're asked to do to receive grace. You know, like grace is bestowed upon us by the like the goodness of God. But the act of repentance that's described in the Bible is a turning from. It is turning Mm -hmm. from one sin and coming to agreement with God on how he views your sin. You're saying, no longer am I going to be facing and associated with and agreeing with my sin, but now I'm going to be facing and associating and agreeing with God's view of my sin, which is that it is abhorrent, and I need to walk towards holiness. It's a physical changing or turning from a restoring, not just apologizing and moving on, right? Like there is a heart level commitment. And I think you said this earlier, Liz, like there's a surrender element with repentance of like, I'm actually choosing to physically let go of my sin. I'm I'm choosing to lay it down. And I think if you're someone like me who tends towards pride, you probably have an issue with repentance with this because it is that like, oh yeah, not only am I admitting fault in myself, but I have to like let go of the things that I'm controlling and surrender them back to the, the foot of the throne. So all that to say, I know that's kind of a tangent, but I think we have to really redeem what is the view of repentance and then kind of wonder okay, but how does that change how I view it? And how does that change how I practice it, right? If it's not just this like, oh, I'm going to pray and say, sorry, God. And he's going to say, I forgive you, child. And I'm going to move on with my life. But if it is this changing, this turning from this, you know, being restored, what, how does that change, you know, how I interact with that in my daily life? Right. And I feel like it's really neat that scripture and the Greek words and the Hebrew words. Natalie is more into learning about all of those. I love a good word study. I will <laughs> so spend learning all a lot day. <laughs> but as she was, you know, as we were brainstorming, we were talking about this and I thought that it was really neat that even the Hebrew language is telling us that repentance really is turning back to, which then like kind of told me and like made me resonate with the fact that we never are too far gone. And I yeah. think sometimes we, at least in my personal experience, I would withhold from repentance because I'm like, I'm too far gone. I've really messed up this time. I already thought I repented, which was likely the I'm sorry situation. Yeah, I've already said I'm sorry 10,000 <laughs> times, you know. Right. So I just thought like it was really neat that even like the Hebrew language in the Old Testament is telling us that we really, it's backing up that we're not too far gone. And I think that leads us to the encouragement that I love this visual the of God's arms are always wide open to us. I think that's a really good reminder because we could sprint 10,000 miles the wrong direction and God would still desire us and be waiting for us to come back and repent of those things. So I really love that. And leading off of that as well, 
I am a very visual learner. So when I learned more about the story of Jonah, so guarantee if you grew up in the church, you heard about Jonah being being eaten by a whale 10,000 times. But it wasn't until literally last year that I learned the just extreme that Jonah's story really is. And if you have time, I encourage you to look up a map. I I found it in the Daily Grace devotionals. Great devotionals if you don't know where to start. Shameless plug. Um, We're not going to pay for that advertisement. (laughs) I love them a lot, but they have a map in their Jonah study. I think it's called like Through the Storm or something. And it literally shows that Jonah was called one way by God and went the opposite direction. Think of like a giant triangle. That's the vision. Like they're not close together. He went the complete other direction. Mm -hmm. And yet God still welcomed him back and used him for his glory because Jonah repented. Yeah. And I think the other half of that story, right, is we see it with the Ninevites who like do some history research if you want to, but the Ninevites sucked in general as humans, like daily were the worst, all kinds of crime and things like that, that were culturally accepted and appropriate in their culture. It was normal of their city. And it was, I mean, just horrible, like just despicable, truly like the worst of the worst on the planet earth. And when Jonah comes and preaches to them, essentially this like five word gospel, you know, in the original Hebrew language that is like, y'all turn or it's going to be real bad for you. <laughs> like repent of your sins because mm-hmm. it's, it's not looking good. Like probably what we would call the worst street evangelism today, which is just like that, like turn or burn, <laughs> like kind of street evangelism. That was essentially what Jonah shared to these invites and they repented. And that's what the Bible uses. It says they repented. Mm-hmm. Like they have turned from these horrible, you know, despicable things. And I think what was really cool then with that story of Jonah is we see not only this like really big moment for Jonah of like disobedience where he repents and God restores him. But we also see the Ninevites who had daily disobedience Mm -hmm. and they also repented and were restored. And so I think that that's helpful. Are we thinking of like, yeah, I think there is this element to repentance that probably is going to be for those big acts of disobedience that probably bring us to our knees, you know, and worship and repentance and sorrow over our sin. And there's also the daily of like, yeah, actually it's a discipline that needs to happen over and over again in my life to repent of and to turn from our sins because we know the sin so easily entangles, right? Like we know mm-hmm. it's all wrapped up in our heart. We know that we tend towards sin. We know it's we're victims of our flesh often, you know, but we have the power in the Holy Spirit to overcome our sin and to turn from it and to repent from it. And so we have to continue to be disciplined, you know, in that act of coming back to God. And I think ultimately repentance is a discipline. And I mm-hmm. think we miss that. And maybe that's why we've like neglected it so much as like, you know, corporate level American church is because when we think of like, oh, you have your faith disciplines, we're like, oh yeah, I should read my Bible every day. Or like, I should pray every day, you know, and it like feels cute with highlighters. And we're not thinking I need to repair every day because Mm -hmm. quite frankly, you do, you know, it has to be a discipline in our life. The same way that reading the Bible and praying is a discipline in our life. There needs to be a continual coming, like thinking through and processing These are the sins that I'm agreeing with that God abhors and I am turning from them and I am repenting from them. And I'm coming back to God and saying, no, 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 I don't want my sin. I want you. Like there Mm -hmm. is an apology in there, right? Like there is this like asking for God's forgiveness and mercy, but it's this choosing to agree with how God views it of not just, I'm sorry that made you mad. Like it's like that, like classic Mm -hmm. example when someone's like, oh, I'm sorry that you're upset. 
And you're like, that's not an apology. Like, what are you sorry for? <laughs> you're not sorry for my reaction, right? Like, I want you to be sorry for the thing you committed. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that is like a helpful kind of today's analogy version of repentance of like, I think that I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Is that like, I'm sorry that you get angry by this. You know, <laughs> will you forgive me? But really what God wants for us to say is like, I am deeply abhorred with the mm-hmm. sin that I've committed. I agree. It separates me from you. Would you redeem me again? Would you restore me again? Would you bring me back into your freedom, right? Like grace and freedom in hand in hand. Would you bring me back <laughs> into the freedom from my sin? I don't want to be entangled by it anymore. I don't want it to control me. I want to be in grace. I want to be following God. I want the goodness that is in store for the believers of Christ when they walk hand in hand with you. And that's why we have to keep coming back because daily we get distracted. Daily we get tempted. Daily we fall apart. And daily we're invited back to restoration in God when we repent and come over our sin and realize that it is not the direction we want to go. Right. And before I get into application and practical tips, we're saying, and we really do believe that repentance is a discipline that we all need to work towards and to have in our lives. If you are like sitting here, like can't think of sins that you need to repent of, that is a good time to ask the Lord to reveal more to you because there are a plethora of things. He will answer you so (laughs) fast. (laughs) You are listening to two people who have prayed that prayer and immediately Uh been shot down by the weight of our sin. Like, because I think we get our pride stuck in the way. Oh yeah. Like, oh no, like, eh, whatever. And then it's like, that was a pretty good day. Didn't sin very much. And then God's like, really? Actually, (laughs) Right. So just if you run into that, because we've both been there, oh, yeah. guarantee you'll be there because we like to think way higher of ourselves than we actually are. So that's my caveat before getting into application. I love application and practical tips on what this can look like. So I've compiled a list of things that helped me. These are things that really helped me walk alongside of other people and with the Lord to act in obedience of repentance. So the first one to walk with other people, seek out accountability. This was huge because I'm not going to admit my sin if I don't have to. That's the type of person that I am, which is not good. We're working on it. Mm-hmm. But when you pull other people into that, they will ask you. There were so many times that like Natalie was one of those accountability people for me. She'd be like, so how are you doing on this? Or like, oh, you hung out with Ryan like how were things? And I was like, Ooh, Ooh. So then, okay. Can I give a caveat to that? If someone asks you to be an accountability partner, be a good one. Like that. I think this probably makes me angrier than like most things probably should, but I get so mad when people are like, Oh, I asked someone to be accountability partner. And the person they asked is afraid to ask them about things or afraid to upset them or doesn't want to pry or like, I don't know. It feels awkward. Like get a new accountability partner. If someone Mm -hmm. asks you to be accountability partner and you are not up to the job of sitting in the ick of the sin, asking the hard questions, being present in that moment and saying, I know you struggle with this. I know this is the kind of situation that brings it up. You were just in that situation. How'd it go? If you're not cool with that, say no, right? Let them by the grace of God, find somebody who's going to hold them accountable. And probably also in yourself growing and being able to hold people accountable by holding yourself accountable. That's, that's my tangent for no time, but like that you are being invited in to helping somebody step closer to Jesus and to step away from their sin, which is the thing that like pulls them away from their walk with God. And if you are not up to their job 
them bless their walk with Jesus by saying someone else needs to do that for you because it's, it's too big, right? Like our mm-hmm. war on sin is too big to not have good allies in it. That's my sad tangent. That was not planned. I just say, honestly, I honestly thought you were going the other direction of if you ask for accountability and then get asked the hard questions, don't just, there were so many times that I would be asked hard questions. I'd be like, I I don't want to answer them, (laughs) which leads to my next point of the fact, like, this is what really helped me when I was in tempting situations that I knew I was vulnerable to, you know, fall into sexual immorality or drinking or whatever it was in that party realm. If I, if I can't tell my best friend or a friend, my accountability partner, everything in full detail, then you really shouldn't be doing it. Because there was nothing I hated more than having to go and tell my accountability partners everything I did in absolute detail. (laughs) So like that, I messed up several times, right? That was the thing. Mm -hmm. But that really did help. It's kind of a worldly one, you know, but it did help minimize, I think, the, you know, temptation because it was like someone seeing this. And I think the reality of it is God is seeing all of it too. So I think that worldly reminder of having someone and telling them everything in detail was a reminder to me that God was seeing and knowing everything in detail as well. So that's kind of my caveat to the seek accountability and make sure you're telling every like that person everything in detail. And I think the big thing with that too was it wasn't like and in a lot of cases I was your accountability partner for these things. It wasn't like I was sitting there forcing you to share things you didn't want to share, right? Like this was something you had asked for and you right. had agreed to and you were open to vulnerability and, and you just were able to realize like this is just hard. It's hard to say these things. And I think the really important part um if you are the accountability partner is like you best not be breeding shame with your response, right? Like, you have got to be freedom language over that. And there's something to be said of, there's something like I wanted to, to push you towards holiness, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to push you towards holiness via shame because that, that doesn't actually push anybody towards goodness. Like that just sucks. That's just, that's just bad friending. You know, there's that like you the asking the questions and, and the, the tell me more, tell me more, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, you know, keep like I, like it. I said earlier, like, nothing that I withheld was benefiting you. Like nothing I, you know, I wasn't hurting anyone but myself. So, and I wasn't someone who was going to come out because of the also struggle with pride. I wasn't going to come out and say I had made all these mistakes. right? Right. So I knew that I needed somebody. And I think regardless of what state you're in, everybody needs accountability. We're called to walk with people in faith. So that's, this is another great way that you can really pull people in. And this is how you can get really close. So the first one is really seeking accountability and just, you know, a little helpful hint of making sure you can tell your friend everything in detail. If not, don't do it. It helps later. And then the next one is really prayer. Prayer is a huge, huge aspect of this. And I think not only prayer, but something that really helped during leading kind of warming up to being able to repent for me. Like it's, it's intimidating because you're like, I messed up. I know that my sin is deserving of death. So it was really important. And this is something that I learned from Natalie. And I know you learned it from someone as well. Like Mm -hmm. we, we remind ourselves of the gospel when we're in prayer and when we're in repentance, because it like brings us back to like, okay, I need to turn from this so that God can then use me you know, he died on the cross for me. I can repent of this. Like, so, and that's every time it's not just a one time we're talking about discipline. Remind yourself every time the gospel never gets old. You can never hear it too many times. 
You learn new things about it all the time. So just continuing to pray on that. And yeah. also, I just find it helpful. That was and something because, that was helpful. And because the gospel is there, like, there's grace, right? Like, we're right. openly repenting to a God we know has grace in store for us because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are repenting and, and in prayer doing that knowing that God has goodness in store and wants to, to lavish his goodness and grace upon us. And I think you like hinted at this. I think it's huge. Chances are like God's going to use that story that you have once felt like shame and hate over to his glory and your goodness. Like there have been so many times that you and I have talked where it's been like, man, this thing I never wanted to tell anybody. Once <laughs> I was able to like tell somebody and repent of it and find freedom from it, God has placed somebody in my life that needs to hear my stories of victory Right. So that they can be encouraged to walk towards victory too. And I think that's huge. Oh, I just got chills. I It's so cool when that moment happens. Yeah. And then lastly, I think something that's really practical and helps is repenting with others. Everyone has sin that they need to repent from. Mm -hmm. If you do it together, it doesn't stink as much. Like it's hard to realize how much your sin sucks. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Do it with somebody else. You're walking with somebody and then you guys are both drawing closer to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it just helps make it a little bit easier that you both have things to repent from. And it's even, I find it helpful to have your accountability partner be the person you repent with because then you're also walking hand in hand with them and they are the one, then you don't have to go and tell more people of all your sin. Like have those few people that you really trust and then really walk really closely with them with accountability and then taking that action step of actually repenting with them. I think it's huge too. And like, I think it's so helpful. Maybe this is, I'll say this and then you'd be like, oh my gosh, I've totally been in that situation. And maybe it's just like, you're getting casual coffee with somebody and you're like, oh yeah, I struggle with this. And they're like, oh my gosh, me too. And you're like talking mm -hmm. about how hard it is to struggle with that. And then you like leave <laughs> and there's been nothing like neither of you found freedom. You just found company in your misery. Uh -huh. Essentially, you know, there's that space of like, Hey, this is going to probably be really awkward the first time you do it. I'm just going to give it that. And I think we just have to give it the oh, grace yeah. to be awkward. And it's fine. Just let's awkward doesn't mean it's bad. But in that moment when you're like, oh, I struggle with that too. I have done this once. And let me tell you, not once. I've done this several times. And the first time I did it, I wanted to die of awkwardness. But I was like, oh my gosh, I struggle with that too. Would you mind if we repented of that together really quick? Listen, <laughs> and maybe you're like, inside. <laughs> but I think that totally changed the dynamic of that relationship and that conversation that day. And I actually left with freedom I didn't have when I walked in the door, you know? And I think it's like, okay, am I willing to suffer an awkward moment or two to learn a new discipline, to learn a new the rhythm of a relationship for the sake of both of our freedom? Yeah, actually, I think I am, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's worth it, you know, to, to buy into. But yeah, I think ultimately real repentance, you know, a lot of what we said with conviction and shame in the last episode of like, there's freedom in Christ. There is grace for that. Like God wants to walk with you towards freedom in your sin. And he wants to use your story for your good and his glory. Like he wants to continue to work out your testimony and your influence and the ways that you will reach out to people and the ways that God has purposed you right through the duration of your life to be on mission with his gospel is likely going to be telling the stories of victory over sin that you repented of and found freedom for. Mm -hmm. And others will be encouraged by that. That is such, when you're able to say to somebody like, no, 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 I found freedom from that. And they're like, what? There's freedom? Tell me more, right? Like we get to walk people in that. And that doesn't mean that you probably won't ever struggle with that sin anymore, mm -hmm. but sin loses its power over you, right? We have the grace and we have freedom. And by gosh, darn it, that's worth it to learn, to repent and yeah, to be present in that space. Liz, any closing thoughts? 
do it. <laughs> no, it's, do it. It's yes. the just do it part. I mean, it, it is going to be hard at first, but I think that one, it's totally worth it. Yeah. And two, like anything, you just got to, you just got to start doing it and it will get easier because you know how, and you know, the first steps, if you, if it still feels awkward, just start in prayer. It doesn't have to be this whole formal thing. Like lose the narrative that has to be a formal thing. Go into prayer, spend time with the Lord and just surrender, lay it yeah. at his feet. And you, once you surrender it, find free, like there's grace and there's freedom. And I think that's overall just, yeah, I, it's so encouraging all the time, but it sucks, but it's, I seriously, I still hate it a lot, but I also love it even more than I hate it because of how it changes the intimacy that I have with the Lord. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's it. And again, like we said, this is everything we can talk forever about the topics we talk about here, but I think like just that like preliminary of like, I think the conversation has been missing, right. Of like, what is this? This is like a, a thing that needs to happen in the daily life of the believer. And we're hoping that maybe you have space now to realize, okay, I actually know how to start these conversations with people around me. And maybe that's asking, what is my church believer about repentance? What is my church practice about repentance on a corporate level? What do they encourage people to practice on an individual level? What is my community? How are they practicing repentance? And if the answer is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't think we are, then like, it's time. You need to start the conversation with those you're doing life with about what it looks like to participate in repentance together and individually and walk towards freedom with God. So we hope you feel encouraged. We hope you feel equipped for that conversation. And as always, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or other ways to keep communicating and have the conversation continue to go. That is all we have time for today. But every episode, we just want to take a quick second to pause and say that with topics like these, this is just the start of the conversation. As you wrestle with these topics and questions, our ultimate authority needs to be God through his word and prayer, not what somebody on the internet, even us, says. There's always a space to keep learning and keep asking questions. All right, ladies, we hope this episode has set up the conversation for you. We are sending you out to keep the conversation going wherever God has you.